Shannon Murphy and I shook up our usual format this episode. Instead, we went with the flow and talked about whatever came naturally to help benefit you, the aspiring or new advertiser. Shannon is a newly promoted creative director at the award-winning London-based advertising shop, Adam and Eve DDB. Constantly touted and recognized, Adam and Eve DDB hired Shannon in their New York City office. Previously, she worked at Shiat Day. Initially created to service Samsung, the New York City Adam and Eve DDB shop has grown to multiple clients. Shannon was hired to manage creative campaigns from client teams JetBlue and Peloton. And I do want to note that her Mountain Dew Rise ad with LeBron James is worth the watch. Yes, she wrote a script that gets him to salsa dance. Go, go YouTube that. We talk about her journey and break in this episode. She credits Miami Ad School for landing her first advertising job and meeting her future husband, whom she married a week before recording this episode. From breaking in, preventing burnout, and addressing barriers to growth, we talk openly and honestly on this episode. This episode is supported by Chicago Portfolio School. Not just limited to Chicago, visit chicagoportfolio.com to learn about their virtual classes designed to help you build a portfolio to help you break into the industry. They've done it for thousands of alum. And to see Shannon's resources and connect with her, head over to our Instagram at breaking and entering pod. One more time at breaking and entering pod. That's on Instagram for all the details and we recently compiled a master resource list, all the resources every guest has ever recommended in one file that you can check out in the link. Now on with the show. This is the Breaking and Entering Advertising Podcast, and as usual, I'm your accomplice, Gino Schellenberger. Kick it, Mikey. Shannon Murphy, welcome to the Breaking and Entering Advertising Podcast. Thank you Hi. so much for coming on. Yeah, thank you for having me. Any big life events go on recently? Um, <laughs> anything new? Yes, I um, am just recently back uh, uh, from a week off, um, and I took a week off because I was getting married in California to someone who I've been with for a decade. Um, we've been engaged for like two years. I don't even actually, I can't even remember when we got engaged. It was a long time ago, but, um, I had to postpone the wedding because of COVID. Um, so yeah, we finally got to do it and it was the best party I've ever been to. Most fun. Um, and yeah, it was beautiful. And so here I am back in New York trying to get back in the swing of things. Yeah. Um, it's been hard, but yeah, I, I really wish I were still out there like partying on the West coast, but it's okay. Yes. That sounds incredible. And yeah. 10 years building up to that. I'm sure it was incredible and I'm yeah. glad you're taking the time now. I'm sure you're busy with emails and catching up <laughs> at work, but thanks for taking the time. To yeah. speak with me on this podcast because you work at Adam and Eve DDB, yeah, which is DDB. in London. Well, so okay, so the headquarter is in London, and then the New York office uh, opened about five years ago, 
um, just to serve mainly one client. And then um, because the people who work there are really great, they grew the business um, and won a bunch of new accounts. And I started about five weeks ago. So I'm still quite new and I can't, I, I wish I were an expert at Adam and Eve, but like I've, I've barely gotten my feet wet. Um, but the New York office is very small. It's probably one of the smallest agencies I've worked for, but um, super ambitious people, really interesting clients. I work on um, JetBlue and Peloton. Um, and that's where I've started. The JetBlue is an account that they won recently and they're kind of gearing up for their their first like big campaigns, um, which are are coming down the pipe shortly. Right. Um, and yeah, it's been really cool. It's it's like a a very like nice, humane, hardworking group of people. Yeah, and those hard- are those are great clients too. Yeah. Like, I, well, JetBlue. Peloton person. What's that? Are you a Peloton person? I'm not. I'm not. But I have a friend. <laughs> I have a friend that is, and he really struts it. He really likes to show it off his Peloton and, and Snapchats right. for all our groups and stuff. And I'm pretty jealous. It's yeah, it's cool. Like, so I have a Peloton, and one of I, so okay, my husband got me into Peloton. It's like it's really cool. Um, and I'm not typically like a fitness trend person. I've never done that before, so um, I didn't think that I was going to be into it. But um, it's actually like a really interesting little community, and it's. So when I, I heard that this opportunity to work with Peloton um, was like open, uh, it just really, it, it kind of got my mind turning. Cause like, not only is it a workout brand, but it's also like a tech brand and it's a music company kind of. And like, I feel like there's just a ton of potential, like they cr- create their own content. Right. It's almost like a big gaming console. So I feel like this guy's kind of the limit you can go all these different directions with it. And they're really just like at the beginning of what they could be as a brand and as a company. So, um, so yeah, yeah. I'm excited. I hope I can make some really great work for them. I think they, they mm-hmm. that could be really cool. Yeah. And then, I mean, oh, yeah JetBlue's cool too. Of course. Of course. And it's our, and Peloton's already a super strong brand. So the, the fact yeah. that you're saying that there's room for it to grow, or it's just getting started. Yeah. That's incredible. And that's, probably why they hired you. I think that's probably you're so enthusiastic about it. So that's a good sign. Tell us about your role and uh, your creative director. So yeah, this is my first sort of official CD job. Um, and it's something that I've been toying with for like a long time trying to make it. It was really hard to transition from ACD to CD for me. It, it took like changing jobs. It's for whatever reason. And I think a lot of creatives can relate to this it can be kind of hard to get promoted into a CD role, but it can also be hard for companies to trust a CD role with someone who's never done it before. So it's like, it can be a a really tricky transition and it can take just a lot of time. Um, And so, so yeah, so I started again, like I said, like a month ago and just because it's a small agency, it's a a really nice starter CD gig because it's not like I'm overseeing like dozens of of teams or anything like that. Like it's very manageable. Like I'm overseeing um, like so far I've overseen like at most like two teams um and it's nice because the creatives can really feel like they own briefs um which is great and then i can be like a little bit more hands-on um 
uh, with like the feedback that I give and, and helping to steer. And then also the nice thing about Adam and Eve is like, it's small enough where I can still do some creative work myself. Like the creative, the, the CDs at Adam and Eve are also like working creative teams. So we oversee some projects and then we also get the opportunity to sort of work as creative teams uh, on other projects. So, so it's kind of nice to be able to wear both hats because I think if I were to be in a job where like I could only oversee, I would probably just end up micromanaging like the shit out of everyone because I love like getting there and doing the work and doing the thinking. So um, I think most CDs do like, it's like, I think the, the self-control part of being a creative director is like really hard because you want to get in there and like rewrite it or art direct it, but you really just have to like trust your teams and, you know, direct instead of dictate, if that makes any sense. Sure. Yeah. I was going to ask you and you kind of already answered what, what makes a good um, CD? Like what are those characteristics that mean? And you probably worked for a good amount. Yeah. Um, so you probably have a good experience knowing who's a good leader. You know, kind of, I think, yeah. And I think like I've learned the different things from different people I've worked with. I think like, I think a great CD um, is relentless and um, fights for creative tirelessly. I think they have to be fearless. Um, and I think they have to, uh, like just like not be afraid of kind of like um, of pissing people off basically just all in the name of doing the best possible work. Mm -hmm. So I think there's like, um, there's, I was going to send you this because you asked me to send some like material. Um, mm -hmm. There's this thing I found on LinkedIn and I actually, I should have figured out <laughs> who I stole this from, but I've seen it circulated enough where um maybe people will recognize who wrote it but it's called the checklist for evaluating creative so rule number one come prepared to expect to be surprised maybe even made a little nervous three react to the idea as a whole four add what's important and incremental five make sure it's on strategy not on checklist six mm -hmm. if it doesn't connect emotionally it doesn't connect Seven, remember what the work is trying to accomplish. Eight, don't just talk about what's not working for you. Nine, if you see a problem, don't offer solutions. Explain the problem and let the creative team find the solutions. Ten, remember you don't have to find something wrong. And eleven, a creative idea needs creative direction, not group consensus. So that's wow. kind of a lot. I will send that to you. But I just, that's sort of something that I look at. Um, particularly the point about like, make sure it's on brief, not on checklist. I think creatives can sometimes get so caught up with like, well, okay, it's got to do this. It's got to do this. It's got to do this. And at the end of the day, fuck it. Like if it's on brief and it's a great idea, if it's on brief and it's not in poor taste, fight for it. And just, you know, I think, um, that's the key because if you just start checking boxes, then mm -hmm. that's when shit gets boring and stupid. Yes. So. So yeah. a good leader will, will enforce that. And that's, yeah. that's easy to do. That's a lot yeah. of check. That's, that's a lot to check off on that. Right. Well, but. I think that, but it can't just be, I think the creative director's job. Like, I think you have to be fortunate enough to find an agency where they, you know, collectively at the top, 
everyone agrees to put the work first and everybody right. equally cares about the creative. And I think I'm lucky enough at Adam and Eve where like that's a priority. And obviously like different leaders are going to have their own priorities. But at the end of the day, like um, the nice, uh, like Adam and Eve is known for doing great work in London. Mm -hmm. So like they have their own brand to protect. And like Shiat was the same way. Like the Shiat Day brand is like known for, especially in the past few years, like putting out like really excellent work, especially right. excellent comedy work. So it's like, ideally, you know, you're making the brand that you, of your agency proud, just like you're making the, you know, your client's brands proud. It also helps, right? Like a lot of these clients are coming to these big name agencies spending some big, big money because they know what's going on. They're aware of good advertising. They yeah. know that the name Adam and Eve DDB right. is going to produce great work. And that's kind of like why they, there's already, has any like, sure maybe not with a specific client name, but like, have you yeah. seen clients come to these agencies and just sure. really like not show up and kind of like surprised you that they're not looking for super creative work? Well, um, yeah, of course. I think like, I think I, I, I've never been on the client side, but I think it's really important for an ad agency in when you're in new business mode and you're pitching to really make it clear like what you stand for and what your values are and what kind of creative you aspire to, to make so that um, the clients who scare easy will know not to engage. <laughs> yeah. And um, so that, you know, whoever you're pitching to, um will get excited about the potential of working with you whether or not they actually pull the trigger is like i think something different but um but i think like the worst thing for an ad agency to be is desperate because then you're just spineless and you don't stand for anything and you yeah. don't have a point of view and like you don't care about the quality it's just um i think it's so important for an ad agency to have an identity so that yeah clients know and like i mean there are so many inner workings on the client side that can, you know, change their opinion or scare them. But they, there are some also some brands that just have a um, a legacy of making great, bold work. Um, and that kind of comes with the territory. And that's another thing, like another reason I was interested in this Adam and Eve job is I feel like JetBlue is kind of one of those, those brands where they've done such interesting work, um, especially when it comes to activations in the past, where it just seemed like... Um, potential to make a lot of really fun, irreverent, unusual advertising. So clients like that, I feel like you just have to um, be a good partner to them and, and they'll show up sooner or later. <laughs> I love it. I love it. So yeah. let's kick it back now because um, you've worked at some incredible agencies and you said something that was interesting to me um, that I want to actually talk about with sure. your, when we get to this, your journey portion <laughs> of the podcast, you said it takes a, it takes a good amount of time to get promoted from ACD yep. to CD. It can. I mean, I it think. Can, of course. Yeah. But I want to, in your perspective, what have you noticed, like with your own career or with people around you? Why mm -hmm. is that? Or sure. how do we speed that up? Like what, yeah. what have you learned from that? You know, ooh, that's a big, complicated question. And I think. I don't know if I know the right answer, but I can I can I can share some observations. Yes, and um, so I think there is an and my so my husband is also a copywriter and we talk about work a lot. And he he's a freelancer. He's been freelancing for like the past three years. And he says that creatives are often treated like rental cars. 
where you get one with the expectation that it's going to be a short-term relationship. You <laughs> drive them into the ground, get all the, all the work you possibly can out of them with the expectation that like, okay, there's going to be a turnover. And then, you know, when I need a new rental car, I'll just swap this one out. That's terrible. I know. I know it is. <laughs> but it can feel like that sometimes. Yeah, sure. It can just sort of feel like there is an expectation that, like, this person is going to be here for two to three years, and then they're going to find a better job somewhere else. And then they go off and get promoted, and then we replace them, and that's how it works. I also sure. think that there's, like, there's not a ton of management training for management level creatives. I think there's a huge emphasis on like winning awards and um, obviously producing great work, but not necessarily like finding career paths for people within agencies. There's just, it's like a, a really like, it's a lot of short-term gain. And um, so sometimes I think when people hire, they hire for like, okay, you know, who's going to win me awards in the next couple of years? And that's sort of the the thought. It's not like who, who can I groom to, to be a CD in five years? It's like, it's, and I think, yeah, so there's that. And then I also just think that in some managers just don't really know how, how to like grow. Like it's very common for creative departments to like not have a formal review process with creatives. Like it's, it seems just sort of very hands-off. Um, and then uh, I guess also maybe because um, I think some, some agencies are also very like top heavy where there's just the reason there's no path up is because those positions are all filled hmm. and like those folks aren't, you know, going anywhere. Um, so I don't know. I think, Yeah. It's I, I probably just scratched the surface there. I feel like this needs to be like a group discussion, but um, it's it's complicated and it's not linear at all. And it can take some hopping around to really like mm -hmm. most career paths I know are like zigzaggy. I think one place that seems to promote is Droga, which is interesting. They seem to like people stay there for a long time. I think I think. Um, pretty sure widen does that too where people just because it's like the top at the top so people just go there and they stay and they get promoted although sometimes you know droga can be a grind so people will move on after. are you so you're saying that some of these agencies might have issues with the promotion process in general just like i think i think most agencies just yeah i think it's very common that that in order for a person to move up the ladder and to grow, you have to go somewhere else and you stay in that job for a few years. And then, and then in order to like grow, right. you hop somewhere else. But yeah. there, and there are some exceptions and like, you can find them if you like look around on LinkedIn, it's so interesting to see all the different mm -hmm. career paths, but there's quite a lot of like hopping around. People usually work at like, I don't know, four to five agencies before they become a creative director. And let's talk about that. So what agencies, like, how did you get into advertising? What agencies did you work at is my next question, which is, I know is a big question, but yeah. what was okay. your start? What was your break in? So um, my my first interest, like when, um, when I was in college, was in 
entertainment. I wanted to work in the entertainment industry. So I, and I grew up in Southern California. So after school, I went back to Southern California and got a job as an assistant in the film industry and did that for a few years. And um, it was just not my scene. I'm not a Hollywood person, even though I love entertainment and being entertained. Um, so then I tried to figure out like a plan B career and I found advertising that way. Um, and the only way I knew to get into it was to go to Miami Art School. Um, that was like a portfolio school was, was a perfect um, way for me to get in because I had no idea how to make a portfolio. I didn't have any spec work. I didn't know any art directors. I knew that I wanted to be a writer, um, but I didn't really know how to make anything. So um, Miami Art School was like a huge um, for me. That was like probably honestly, it was probably more important than like undergrad in terms of like the direction of my life. It was just a really big, really big deal. Um, so I went to Miami out in San Francisco, met my now husband and most of my um, current <laughs> New York City friend group were still really tight after like a decade. Wow. Um and um, got an internship through Miami Ad School at BBH in India. So it was in India wow. for three months. Yeah, it was really cool. It was really, really hard, very hard um, because I sure. didn't understand the culture at right. all. So I brought like no value to the table and totally overestimated my ability to like bring value to the table, which yeah. was I mean, you learn though, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, it was a great learning experience. And then after that, Got a job at YNR Chicago. Um, so hey, I lived in Chicago, Chicago for a year. Yeah. It was, where, it was where'd you live in Chicago? Oh, um, in Boys Town. Off nice. the line, I think, right near Wrigley Field. Yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm not too far from there. Oh, yeah? yeah. Okay. Where is Chicago Portfolio School? Uh, we Right now we're in River North. Okay. Obviously we're doing a lot of virtual, but uh, we're in Harder River North, right by not too far from the Marina Towers and not too far from the Leo Burnett building. Okay. Us, we want to be right by all the agencies. We right. used to do classes within the agencies. Like we would go, like have students go to the um, offices and take classes there, but that's no longer the case. But so that's cool. Boys Town, YNR. Yeah, YNR. And it was. Um, really cool. Like the Chicago ad scene is so interesting. There are so many interesting agencies in Chicago. Um, and this year, especially Chicago did like super well at award shows. The, 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 I think it was Cannes especially, but it's just um, such an interesting city. And I feel like people who are coastal, um, they, I think they tend to like just forget how cool Chicago is, especially with like the improv scene there. I think there's just like so much inspiration everywhere, mm -hmm. but um, it was, yeah, it was a great place to start. And then um, my, my now husband um, moved to New York city um, and I followed him out there and we both found jobs. I was at strawberry frog for a split second and then landed at Ogilvy. Strawberry and frog. I've never heard strawberry. of that. Yeah, it's like a teeny tiny little agency cool. um, in New York. And um, I was just there for a, a like a little bit. And then, um, yeah, I went to, to Ogilvy to work on IBM when they were doing fun work. They were It was fun back in the day. And then, um, yeah, stayed there for a few years, then went to Shiat. And now I'm at Adam and Eve. Okay. That was a really good high level. Let me, let me ask some questions yeah. about it of all that, break it down a little bit. Sure. So, so you were at undergrad, 
wanted to do entertainment at first, realized it wasn't for you. Yep. And then what was the moment? How did you say, okay, advertising the Ooh. next step in that? What was that transition there? So um, I like was at a very interesting point in my first career and when I was an assistant where I just realized like, this is not going to work for me. Like there, and it was also like 2008 was like the financial crisis. Um, and I called my dad and I was like, I have made a terrible decision to go into the entertainment industry. I don't know what to do with my life. I want to be in a creative field, Mm -hmm. but like, what else is there other than this? Right. And he had worked in ad sales at ESPN, like back in the nineties. Nice. Um, yeah, it was a fun job. And, but I'd never really knew that much about what he did. Cause he sold ad time. He wasn't mm-hmm. involved on the creative side. Um, but he knew all about advertising. So okay. he said, what about advertising? And I thought, Oh, I've never actually considered that before. So I did a bunch of research. Um, I read a book called I Have an Idea. It, it was like, I mean, this book is like probably 15 years old at this, uh, 15 years old at this point. So I don't even know if it's still in print. And then there was another one called Pick Me. Um, and it was, they were just really interesting, really exciting books about this industry where like, you know, it's an interesting time to be in advertising because like, it's not just commercials and radio and print anymore like advertising can be anything like and and you know your job is just to sit around and think of like really unexpected interesting ideas and it's super cool and um i had no idea uh, i i hate commercials so i was like i don't want to be in advertising and then i learned more about what it actually is and like what we can do and how most people hate commercials you know, because that's, that's what we do on a bad day is a bad commercial. Like, I feel like we have, there's such a, I feel like it's your, if you, if you hate commercials, you should definitely work in advertising. Um, That's a really interesting point. Yeah. Cause they're so bad. Like people deserve better commercials. We deserve better advertisements than like most of the shit that's out there. There's nothing better when you're sitting around and you're with somebody, whether it's a family member or a friend, they go, they laugh at a commercial. Yeah. And, and I go right to my phone yeah. and I Google the brand, the AOR, who made it. And the most of the time it's like Martin agency, Geico that right. makes people, everybody laugh for some reason. Yeah. Um, but I just, that's like a hit or like Super Bowl commercials. Of course, those are Perfect. obvious because people want to watch them, but even the day to day, if something like makes people chuckle, I'm yeah. all over it. Totally. Like my, a few years ago, this is an ad I didn't work on, but I knew about it when I was, um, I was sitting, visiting my mom in Southern California and we were hanging out on the couch watching TV. And, um, this commercial came on that was like a parody of, um, uh, the shining, the Mountain Dew mm-hmm. shining spot. And yeah. my mom watched it closely. My mom's kind of a film nerd and she also just like loves TV. Mm-hmm. So she watched that commercial. She pointed at it at the end and she goes, that was a Super Bowl commercial. It's really funny. And that was mm-hmm. Shia. Shia did that. Like Brian Cranston. Yeah. The Brian yeah. Cranston one. And like, and she had no idea that Shia made it. Like it, it, she never talks to me about advertising. Isn't particularly interested in advertising, but just like thought this ad was really cool and it happened to pop on and, and, um, my mom is very hard to please. Like my mom does not throw out compliments easily at all. So okay. the fact that 
you know, she stopped and actually appreciated it. And it was made by the agency I was working at at the time. Wow. It's like, oh, this is really special. This is so cool. And like, it's so memorable. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, like, I totally agree. I, I feel the same way. Another interesting thing too, like, so like if you had told me when I was like 23 that I would end up working in advertising, I would like laugh at you and be like, no fucking way. I would never do that. And then um, on my commute to work around the time I was like 25, I started running into all of these radio ads um, that were real men of genius. Do you remember those? Like they were like Bud Light, Bud Light's men of genius radio campaign. And they were so funny. And like I would turn on the radio hoping to hear one of these ads when I was driving to work. Like that's how good they were. And that had never, ever happened before. It was so good. And then my first job, um, I didn't know anything about wine or Chicago and I did a little bit of <laughs> digging. I just mm-hmm. sort of like lucked into it. And the CCO um, was one of the guys who created that campaign. Wow. So it was, yeah, his name was Bob Winter and he was super cool. And like, I learned a ton from him, but um, there are so many interesting, talented people who like want to do great work and they're just waiting for that great opportunity to finally like let all their weirdness out. Um, and it comes, you just have to, sometimes you have to wait a while and you just never, never give up, but, um, it can pop up and, and yeah. So anyway, I don't know how I got on that tangent, but no, it was a good tangent. <laughs> I don't think I answered your question though. I'm sorry. The. The thing I was gonna, well, I want to really hone in on your break-in. And oh yeah. It sounds oh. like that oh. that was the shift there. Yeah, it was. So it was my dad when he said, mm-hmm. "What about advertising?" Like life-changing comment of all sure. the things my dad has thrown out over the years. For some reason, that one stuck, and I did the digging and um, mm. very quickly felt like advertising was the thing I probably should have been doing all along. Sure. Um, started researching how to break in. Um, just did some Googling, found these portfolio schools like VCU, which was way too far away. Chicago Portfolio School, also way too far away. I was in Southern California at the time. The closest one was Miami Ad San Francisco. And I felt like I could do that. So, you know, I just gave up my apartment, packed up my car, drove six hours north, found an apartment on Craigslist and just changed my life. It is so crazy because I hear stories like we have a student right now in Chicago quit his job was like a couple of years into like, a, I think a government job. Yeah. Just quit his job, packed his bags, moved to Chicago. It yeah. is. And well, nowadays you don't even have to move. Right. But right. he wanted that full experience and he moved here and he's getting a bartending job on the side. Like just yep. the commitment when people like transfer in from a career, yep. the career transition, like they're the, like super ambitious exactly like the stakes are so high because it's like for me i was like i'm not gonna fuck this up again like there's you just learn like i don't know how uh, how important all your choices are um and like yeah it just i'm 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 glad that this was my second career i'm a little sad that i didn't find it sooner but um i agree yeah i think um your first career, sometimes you, you just take it for granted. Yeah. I mean, really the first career, like you don't really pick a first career. The first career picks you to quote. Yeah, that's boss. a great he way says, of putting it. He says it all the time and it's, he's absolutely correct. Yeah. Um, but okay. Let's hover on this area of portfolio sure. school. What are your thoughts on it today? Like, 
Yeah. Like, so, back, like, do you obviously Miami is the gold standard, VCU, Chicago, all these are really good options. And I, I, I always promote them all. Check out my previous episodes. For sure. I usually have people from each of them. Yeah. But do you still, you know, would you if you're looking back, would you do the same thing or yeah, well I think you know, um, the great thing about Miami Ad School is there were like no entry requirements. Okay. <laughs> I think that if like like you had to sure fill out an application that was mm -hmm. very simple and it was like, we'll take you. I had no qualifications. I just had like ambition. Um, and I, I've written since I was a teenager, like I've always loved writing and I've always loved entertainment. So I guess actually, I'm not going to say I was unqualified. I was, I was qualified. Yeah, like yeah. I, but I just didn't have any, like anything on my resume that would, you know, or any like writing samples really that would like, that were ads. Yeah. So That's I think the school's for. right. That's but, Totally. But I think that the thing with Miami ad is like, it's expensive and like most portfolio schools are pretty, it's like an investment. So I think um, the, the weird thing about the ad industry for probably the past decade or so um, is um, ad schools seem to be like the only pipeline that, that agencies are drawing from. So essentially now you really have to like pay your way to get into a creative department. Hmm. Um, so so the, and then of course that changes who works in advertising. Um, so what I, I think what a lot of agencies um, and creatives are doing now, like what Oriel Lyons Davis is doing with the One School, and what um, uh, Shiat did with the Young Bloods, and I think a couple of other at Wyden did this with I think the Kennedys, Droga, D and Five. D5 and 10, sorry, D5 and 10. Um, they, they're starting sort of mini ad schools within agency walls where like they will pay you instead of you paying them to essentially be like a, an intern. And then you also, so you get real briefs, you get mentored and there's like a 10 week curriculum. Mm -hmm. um, and then afterwards you either get hired or you have some sort of book or something to put on your resume that will make yep. you a viable hire at another ad agency. Yep. Um, and I think it's it's great that that is becoming more more common because um, yeah, as much as I Miami Ad School was like a a big um, part of my career, and I wouldn't have a career without Miami Ad School. I wouldn't have a husband without Miami Ad School, wow. uh, which is a weird thing to like yeah. say about a school, but it's true. It was like a really huge yeah. experience my life um uh it's also it's just i don't think th that it benefits our industry to get to the point where like a lot of people who are here like they just basically like paid their way in like right. i said like you know it it really all i had was just ambition and drive and like interest in entertainment and like look at me now i can do this job like i can do it really well i'm passionate about it i love it it doesn't it doesn't take a genius Mm -hmm. to be a creative director or a copywriter like we can um the only the only like thing that's i think getting in the way for for a lot of great potential creatives is just they don't have like the money to pay thousands of dollars for portfolio school so once we remove that barrier i think it'll just you know enrich the industry a lot and the industry is in such a weird place right now with like you know, people going client side, people opting to be full-time freelancers. Um, yeah, 
Yeah. And like agencies are having a harder time staffing up or like they're having a hard time diversifying their creative departments because a lot of creatives just don't want to put up with the politics or just aren't interested in being full time. So I think like um, we just have to to just take a different approach if we want to make the industry an exciting place to work. You know, mm-hmm. I don't know. Like I, I keep hearing more and more creative saying like, I just like want my next job to be client side or like, I don't want to work at ad agencies anymore. And that's kind of sad. Um, it's well, that's a burnout too, right? Like yeah, that you also sure. alluded to before. Yeah. So what is it like, obviously there's larger industry problems with the lack sure. of diversity that we might not be able to solve in this conversation. Sure. But like, what are some things like, I don't know, what, what do you, what would you like to see change, whether it's with recruiting talent or, yeah you know, the culture of working in the industry as a creative, like, well, I guess, um, more thoughtfulness when it comes to, um, managing creative departments and, and, um, career development for creatives. I think that's certainly something that I know we can change. Um, I think, um, you know, I also think like award show equity is important. I think if you like made award shows less expensive to, um, I have, so I have such, I have very strong opinions on award I'm shows. I'm going to hear one here. Tell me. I don't like award shows. I think they're money making schemes. For the exactly. Yeah. Huge schemes. But the thing is, you have to game that system if you want to get promoted. Like, I would not yeah. have a job if I hadn't been an award winner. Interesting. Interesting you say that because some of the philosophy we like to impart is like the awards, like, like we have to acknowledge the awards in our industry. Yes. Work can be good without awards Absolutely. and not the best work wins awards. Absolutely. So it's like, I know it's just that catch 22. I, yeah, I it is. But I do think like one way that we could possibly start to move the needle in the right direction instead of getting rid of award shows is just like make them free to enter. I don't know. Just like, can, I mean, there has to be another way to fund them or just make them cheaper or like, I don't know, is there just something, you know, and also I think diversifying award show panels is great. And, and, you know, I also see a lot of like pro bono work winning awards that's about issues, but the issues aren't at all reflected like in the in the <laughs> the people who actually make the work. And sometimes it feels a little bit like um, teams are are really hijacking social issues to sort of like for their own personal oh. gain. It's not altruistic at all. Like sometimes I'll see like, you know, an idea that's like about women's empowerment. And I'm like, oh, that's a really cool idea that won a bunch of awards. And then I look at the creative team and it's like overwhelmingly dudes. And it's like they go on to win awards and then they go on to make more money and get promoted. Good for them. Are they hiring more women? Are they promoting more women? No. And it's like, so, okay, so great. You've gone out there and you've like, you know, made this campaign that's like, you know, seems feminist, but it is in fact not at all. Right. Um, right. You can sort of see that kind of. I've never thought about that. I never noticed that. Yeah. I think it's like, it's always interesting to sort of look at, you know, these like very well intentioned campaigns and look at the people behind them and, 
and like, okay, where is this person going to be in five years? Do they actually intend to make their industry better? Clearly they, they seem to care about issues. Like, are they actually living in accordance with their values? And I think that's sort of where it starts to get frustrating. You know, um, I, I, I don't know. I, I would be so interested in, I think it would be funny to do like a case study, but like a case study about a five-year-old case study. Like what has happened since this case study was made? Like, oh, interesting. Changed, like where are those creatives now? How are yeah. they doing? Like, I just, I, yeah, I don't know. Um, but I, I completely understand. Like, it's a scheme. I probably shouldn't be talking shit like this. Cause like, this is the kind of stuff where it's, it, but these are the realities of, of this industry. And, and it's, do you think you need, so do you think uh, a young career should focus on getting awards then? Like, I think a young career, uh, advice I, to us now. Wait, say that again. I'm Advice sorry. Advice to our demographic, the sure. our listeners' demographic. You know, I think not. Maybe not winning awards, but I certainly think learning how to make your work visible, whether that's like find out how to game the system in some way or another. That's how you make it. It is. It's not a meritocracy. You have to game the system, and whether that means like, you know you have this really cool Instagram idea that's like a personal project and you pay, I don't know, 200 bucks to make it a promoted post and you circulate it that way somehow. I don't know, just some, some way, or I don't know, do you have a friend that works in PR who can get you like an Excel spreadsheet of like a bunch of contacts? And then you yeah. said, I've done that before. Really? Like, yeah. yeah, just like get scrappy. And like, because I think like, honestly, what makes a lot of great agencies or like hot shops, hot shops mm -hmm. is um, CCOs who are great at self-promotion yeah, and really, really good internal PR people who know how to get those agencies in the trades. Yeah. And it, that's like, a really that's, good point. Yeah. Like, and you ha just have to, and that's like, that's the way the world works. PR is what makes celebrities celebrities. Like it's not, yeah. it's not like this is like any kind of like, you know, democratic way of like great work rising to the surface. It's you really, you have to be calculated. You have to know how to game the system. And like, I think great creatives know that great agencies know that great CCOs know that great clients know that. Um, so I think the sooner you can figure out how to tip the scales in your favor, using what you have, the better off you'll be. You have to make your own luck. As well. And yeah. I think even before that, though, before you learn how to promote and whether that's earned media or you're paying for it or whatever way or stunt or some sort of newsworthy action, your work's got to be good, though. Like you can't you, you can't get it out. Nobody's going to buy it if, you, if it's bad or totally unless you're that. <laughs> that young woman on TikTok who made the deliberately horrible logos. Did you see so that? Great. Yeah. Amazing. The lines. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like for sure, absolutely. Your work has to be able to stand on its own two feet. Although if you're really good at PR and you have the right contacts, you can make it seem like it's a popular idea, whether that's, or not it actually was. That's a good point. That's really good. I don't know how to game the system. Like that that does yeah. count for a lot. So like yeah, the McDonald's, the McDonald's account, like took her work and all that. And oh yeah. They're social, like all the brands are going to her. Right. Yeah. Starbucks. Mm-hmm. For sure. Yeah. Oh, that was so funny. But um, 
anyway, I really hope that didn't sound cynical, but I, I think, um, it's, 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 um, good to kind of not be too idealistic, but that's not to say that like you shouldn't have ideals or values that you work towards. But I, I do think in order to be successful, you've got to be proactive. Yeah, I agree. Well, that's one cynical. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, yeah, you're all good. Um, all right. Is there any other like big pieces of advice that you've thought about before, you know, this podcast that we didn't get to that you want to get out to the world that to young college students, recent grads or portfolio students? Well, okay. So, you know, I think that's a very interesting statement what you just made. Um, Cause it's like, I, I wish that the ad industry was more inclusive about um, what it considered to be a junior. It would be interesting to see like people who aren't recent grads or who aren't young, I don't know, getting, getting involved. I, but I do think that our, our industry as it is now really does put youth on a pedestal. So, but that's a different conversation. Um, I think, um, wow, that kind of just blew my mind a little bit. I right. Gotta, I got to reevaluate. Yeah. You got to recruit. Young, yeah. I've always thought as young college students, no, they're they, like anybody for sure. Yeah. Like think of like a decade later. I mean, it really, it's interesting. Like, so when I was at Chiat, we rebooted a program called the Young Bloods, which was like mm -hmm. a pretty legendary program at Chiat where it's like, it's a pipeline to get people into the creative department. And we were like, but the word young is so problematic. Like, wow, maybe we do like the old bloods or like the middle-aged bloods. Like, why does it have to be young? Right? Wow. So, yeah. I, you just retargeted... I have to retarget everything. You got to retarget. We all do. I think wow. it's like, yeah. But so that's, I guess, one thing to consider is just, but, you know, it, it would take a mental shift of the whole industry. Um, we're really biased. The ad industry is, is, does look for something very specific and like, you know, the, the types of people that the gatekeepers let through. And, and they do, like I said, they do like fetishize youth, but, Hopefully we can get over that. It's a, a mental shift that hopefully it won't be too hard. But um, but yeah, there's a ton of potential everywhere. There's potential all around us. Um, and it's really, it's really on um on the ad industry to like open its doors wider. Yeah. So yeah, and I think um advice, yeah, I don't know if I have anything else, but I I've got all kinds of opinions. So if anybody right. has any questions, feel free to hit me up on LinkedIn. I can you can, you know, give you my spiel. Yeah. Okay. And that, and that was my last question. Can yeah. people reach out to you? You said yeah. LinkedIn. I'll link to all that with yeah. an Instagram account, which is at entering ad. You'll cool. have to go there to see your resources and to connect with you. So if you're yeah. listening at entering ad on Instagram. Yes. Thank you for your time. This was really fun. Yeah. Well, thank you for coming on. This has been great. Adam and Eve DDB. Good luck there as a creative director. I'm sure you're a great leader just from our conversation here. Well, thank you, sir. I appreciate that. Mm -hmm. Have a great night. Good night. Good night. Did you hear anything on this episode about a job you'd like to have someday soon in advertising, strategy, design? The kind of job where you use your brain and your creativity? If you did, chances are a portfolio can really help you get that job. 
That's where Chicago Portfolio School comes in. They have programs and classes that help you show off your thinking and get you the job you want. So visit them at chicagoportfolio.com. And if you drop my name, Gino, into the chat box, they'll send you more info and a cool Sharpie or just some more info. You can decide that. Thanks. Thank you so much for listening to this entire episode of the Breaking and Entering Advertising Podcast. If you like what you heard, it would mean a lot to us and help us grow and get better guests and better break-ins if you can go to Apple Podcasts and leave us five stars and a small review if you have the time. Be sure to connect with our guests if you like what they said by going to our Instagram at Breaking and Entering Pod. It's all one word breaking and entering pod on Instagram. We have links to their portfolios and their LinkedIn and they want to connect. So do that. And thank yous. Thank you to Mikey Malarkey, our audio engineer and Buchan Zhang, our creative director. Can't do without you two and a team from the University of Illinois. It's a student team from the agency called AdBuzz, their PR agency. And it's been a pleasure working with them. Thank you all so much. And we will see you next week with another amazing guest.